but uh, a, uh, a, uh, a, I don't know. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello! Hello! How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I am good. (laughs) Someone keeps moving my chair is your name today. I like it. Yes. Fantastic. Song's been in my head, so. It's a good song. Hey. Yeah. Pretty much any. They Might Be Giants song is a great song. Pretty much. I'm sad that we haven't been able to see them in forever because we had so many canceled tickets to their shows for obvious reasons. I'm sorry I offloaded a bunch of them right before they moved their shows again because I might have been able to go. (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, well. I got money back. Oh, well. Yeah, how would you know that they were going to have to delay it again? I know. Ugh. Still have some, so. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. So good. Did you enjoy our snowstorm yesterday that pretty much shut down the whole state? I did enjoy the snowstorm from the comfort of my couch where I played Stardew Valley most of the day. Nice. I did literally nothing all day and it was great. Nice. That sounds Yeah. I watched a couple things. I played some games on my phone. I did a fair amount of staring into space and it was all delightful. There were dogs. (laughs) Jeff was around. There was a lot of beer involved. It was a good day. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. For, for those who are not on social media, I unfortunately had to put Pepper down last week. Poor sweet. Which really sucked. Yes. But Buddy's kind of been stepping up. I don't, I don't think he's doing it on purpose. I think he just sees that now the couch is unoccupied so right. he can go hang out with me there. <laughs> Being opportunistic. Yes. But it's, Ooh, opportunistic snuggles. It's been nice. He's been snuggling with me. That's good. I appreciate good. that a lot. Yeah. Animal snuggles are important. Yeah. And 13's just being 13, so. (laughs) Her her same old self. She'll come visit me once in a while, but. On her schedule. Exactly. Yeah. When she feels like it. Yeah. So that was, that was the, the terrible news. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a great week. I also had a not great week uh, for reasons that I can't go into on the podcast, (laughs) mostly work related, but yeah, it was a week. Yep. Sure. Glad it's over. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Yep. Yep. And now we're doing a uh, belated recording of podcast because I had to work extra this week and yeah. couldn't do our normal podcast day. Yeah. So. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. So here we are. Here Yay, we podcast. Are. Podcast Pod- is fun. Yes, agreed. So while we're doing this fun podcast today, what are we going to be talking about? Today we are going to be talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3 Episode 13. The Devil You Know. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about season 13. I was excited. Oh, not this time. The secret Damn season it. 13 that nobody yes. knows about except us. <laughs> yes. Was your cat involved in making it? Always. Cats are always involved in making secret seasons of TV shows. Well, I meant specifically your cat 13. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, she sure was. <laughs> I forgot. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know. Good job, kitty. Like, <laughs> you forgot your cat's name. That's good. Yeah, that's great. It's that kind of day, huh? Yeah. yeah. How much have you had to drink so far? None today, but you know, I probably killed a bunch of brain cells the last couple of days. Oh yeah, same, same. It's been a couple of days. I haven't had anything today either. I actually only have water and coffee right now. Yeah. Yes, I have water and Dr. Pepper Zero. Ah, nice. nice. 
And I have no food in my house, but I'm too lazy to do anything about it. So I'm probably going to eat oh. um, oatmeal for the entire day. <laughs> well, oatmeal's delicious. It is. I ate uh, a shit ton of candy because all the candy that you brought over on Friday that was still left over, Jeff and I like housed it yesterday. So most of my diet yesterday was beer and candy. Yeah. I'm trying to be less monstrous today. (laughs) I had taken some of the candy back and I ate so much candy. Yeah. Yeah. So delicious. Anyway, this is all very relevant. Yes. (laughs) Has a lot to do with the devil we know. Absolutely. Do you want me to tell you what my recap is? Yeah, you can talk about the recap because I was just like, oh, okay, recap, move on. Okay. I like to make summaries of the recap. So my recap summary is Martooth is concerned, Sam is confused, and then in agony, and then sad. Jack has a sidebar with Marty. Hell looks unpleasant and has a Halloween soundtrack. Binar's eye is gross. Jacob is conveniently easy to find. Escape doesn't go as planned. OMG, it's Apophis. (laughs) It's perfect. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Captured the whole thing. Yep. Well done. Thanks. So we pick up with OMG, it's Apophis. (laughs) And he's got the team and well sg three quarters and martooth kneeling oh and dad jacob too dad sam's dad yep. <laughs> you just call him dad yeah jack's like you understand we're not happy to see you apophis is pretty happy about that <laughs> and when he first saw them there he tells them he knew he'd found his path out of there and they are going to be the means of him reclaiming his power and position which seems like a lot to put on their shoulders. A bit. Yeah. Daniel lets him know Aminet is dead. He's pretty happy to ruin his day, if it ruins his day. Yeah, and that seemed so weird to me since that was his wife also. He seemed oddly blasé and delighted to share the news, actually. So yeah, it's a it's... weird look for Daniel. And I noticed that Jack and Carter gave each other weird looks when he said it, yeah. too. Well, you know, he's got a lot of hate in there for Apophis. Very true, I for suppose. good reason. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Apophis apparently had heard from Sokar that she was dead, but he wasn't believing it. But apparently it's true, and that's sad for him, I guess. And he concludes that means that Tilk was also definitely the murderer and wonders where Tilk is. But they, they don't tell him. And then one of his Apophis's uh, people, guard, Jaffa. Jaffa, one of his Jaffa, I guess, says that Daniel is hiding something. So he grabs it from Daniel and it is the communication device to speak to Teal'c, which Apophis just knows is who's on the other end. <laughs> And so he says, Tilk, this is your god, Apophis, risen from the fires of Natu. And your fate of your friends will be pleasant to compare to what I have planned for you. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish we'd gotten a reaction shot of Tilk when this happened. But I know. We, we don't. I just raised eyebrow, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And they're probably like, oh, that's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He orders the prisoners back to the pit. I guess this guy's uh, Jaffa's name is Kintak. He lets him know he's going to be the first prime. Cool. Yeah. Lucky him. And he tells Kintak to search the prisoners, but don't kill them. Because he wants to do it himself. When he's ready. 
With half of his face covered in a mask like it is, he reminded me a lot of The Phantom of the Opera, because I love The Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> but then in my head, that means this entire episode, he was just The Phantom of the Apophis to me. Nice. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in the pit, they're talking, and I don't remember about what, so give me a second. Oh. <laughs> Martooth has his I told you so moment. He does. Oh, yeah. Essentially reminding them that he did say that Sokar would bring him back to life and torture him. Jack's like, well, he doesn't seem to be suffering a whole lot. Sam is still concerned about her dad. She says he's burning up. Somebody call 911. He's not doing so good. Daniel can't understand what Apophis might be thinking because he thinks that Apophis can't possibly defend himself against Sokar. Not enough people, not enough power. I agree. But Jack's like, well, he seems pretty confident anyway, so yep. here we are. Martooth says that Apophis is really only going to have one chance. He's going to have to get close to Sokar. Close enough to convince Sokar not to kill him and then be able to take the opportunity to kill Sokar himself. And that's really going to be his only chance. Wow. So Martooth says that the information that they have, the secrets of the Earth and the Tok'ra, are going to try to be pried away from them, so... Well, at least they're not going to die for a while, but things are probably not going to be so pleasant for them either. No. I'm just going to yep. sit quietly with that for a second. Which I yep. was like, yeah. Yep. Credits. Yep. After credits, Apophis has gathered his denizens so he can do a speech. Fortunately, they don't have to gather too closely, so there's the speech can be heard by the prisoners. They're practicing social distancing. Yes. <laughs> no masks, but social distancing. Yeah, yeah. He announces to everyone that Binar is dead. Sokar is coming, and you are probably afraid about that, but he can't make our lives any worse. <laughs> Someone's like, he could come in a ship and kill us all from space. I loved that so much. It was just some random background guy's voice yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> You want to goof around? Go work on Starbase 80. Damn, Starbase 80? Apophis, though, is not concerned. <laughs> he thinks he can get them all out of there. He's killed Binar. He's going to destroy Sokar. He is, wow, I feel like delusional, but hey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's kind of always had delusions of grandeur yeah. and being an actual god. So <laughs> That's true. It's not that surprising. It's kind of in line for him. Yeah. He tells them that the, those who follow him will be freed and there will be a new dominion. This may even be the turning point of the entire war. One in which the god Apophis, risen from the depths of the underworld, will rule over all that was once shared by the gold. <laughs> very, uh, very grand. Quite. Apophis. Yeah, yeah, quite. He looks very different with hair, I noticed, too, because we usually see him with, like, that gold That's true, skull cap that kind of makes yeah. him look bald. But he's yeah. got actual hair. Sure does. Then we flash down to the the team in the pit where they're listening. <laughs> Jack's like, this experience doesn't seem to have humbled him much, which I laughed really hard at. <laughs> yes. Apophis continues, don't fear. It's all going to be great. Kintak tells everyone to bow to Apophis, the Deliverer. <laughs> so they do. They do. And Apophis says, Sokar's coming, let him come! 
and they all cheer. Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? <laughs> it's the music of a people that will not be slaves again. <laughs> it's running through my head after that scene. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Down on the planet, in Sokar's throne room, one of Sokar's Jaffa comes in and says that they've spotted a cargo ship. And this guy had distractingly huge shoulders on his uniforms, like all of the Jaffa did. They were just like these <laughs> big, like almost looked like uh, like shark fins or dolphin dorsal fins, but like one on each shoulder, but about as high as his head. It was weird. Sokar assumes that that ship must contain the spies, so they need to attack that ship. And then also tells the guy that they need to have their fleet ready in just two days. So even sooner than planned, they're going to launch their attack oh, on the no. system lords. <laughs> the guy, Jumar, the Jaffa, says, my lord, the very best we can do. And then Sokar just raises his hand. <laughs> and Jumar realizes that it's time to stop talking. <laughs> and then takes a second, recomposes himself and says, the fleet will be ready, my lord. Sokar is so pasty white. Yes. Yes, he is. Like, white lips, white everything. What did he do to himself to get to the, 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 be that way? His host is human. I guess just living in the dark forever? I guess. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. There's the juice. His eyes were kind of yellow, too. They yeah. were. Maybe yeah. he's got some uh, jaundice happening could be, or could um, be. i forget the name of that disease but it's the one where you actually can't go out in the sun it's oh. referred to often as like real vampirism but it's it's actually a condition where where people can't go out in the sun maybe he's got that zero derma pigmentosum maybe but yeah he's a uh, he's real pale yeah back up in apophis's chamber Room? Quarters? Sure. Quarters. Used to be Binar's quarters. Now they're Apophis's quarters. He asks Kintak how many follow him, and apparently it's 300, and the rest have been banished to the surface. I'm surprised they didn't just kill them. Yeah. Oh, it, but then he, I guess he does say they'll change their minds or die, so. But it still seems weird to me that he didn't just kill them right away. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they're hoping for more con converts. More conversion, yeah. yeah. Could be. Apophis asks if anything was found when the intruders were searched, and uh-oh, they found Martooth's sonic screwdriver. <laughs> so that's not good. No. And so they're obviously going to be using it to try to get some secrets from SG-1 and the Tok'ra that are in their possession. The members of SG-1 that are in the Tok'ra <laughs> that are in their possession. Well, that's actually pretty much it for that scene, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Apophis asks that they bring him the woman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Kintak goes down to the pit and tells them the woman's coming with him. Jack's like, maybe not. I appreciate him standing up yeah. to this, but like, what did he really expect to happen? I don't know. Be well, what did happen, though, is that Kintak shoots him in the leg. Mm -hmm. So Jack's down for the count there. And Carter is like, all right, I'm coming. So she heads out and... Daniel and Martooth go to check on Jack. Martooth says the wound appears cauterized, but there could be bleeding beneath the surface. That's fun. Yeah. So Daniel takes something out of his pocket and wraps it around Jack's leg. Jack's like, ow, oh no, go easy. <laughs> yeah, because Daniel put a tourniquet right on the wound, and that is not <laughs> how you do tourniquets. So. 
Daniel's not. A, we already know Daniel's a doctor, but only of archaeology. So what do they want from him? If he was just going for pressure on the wound, then he tied it way too tight because, like, he put some force behind that. Like, he was clearly going for a tourniquet, but you don't do that right on the injury site. Oopsie. Yeah. Also, you wouldn't want to do a tourniquet this early on in the game because then he'd probably lose his leg anyway. So anyway, that's that's a, neither here nor there. He doesn't lose his leg, but he's not happy because it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> We get a quick scene of the Teltak moving through hyperspace and then a quick scene of the bridge with Teal'c flying the ship. He's escaped the Death Glider, so things are calmed down for him again. Everything's coming up! Teal'c. Back in Apophis's chamber, Carter is brought in and forced down onto her knees. And he turns, Apophis turns the sonic screwdriver all the way up. And says that he is going to use it to access Jolinar's memories. Carter tries to say, well, it doesn't work that way. But because it's turned all the way up, that means that Apophis will be able to see those memories. So he activates it. And Sam is at her house when she is younger, looking at pictures of her mom. And then we're back in Apophis's chambers. And Sam says that she's not going to tell him anything. So they force her to drink some of the blood of Sokar to cloud her mind. It looks like wine. I think but we I was wondering, later like, is it actually not, right? the blood of Sokar? Well, they say later that it's a powerful narcotic, but that doesn't preclude it from being the blood of Sokar, like the actual blood of Sokar. Maybe, Maybe. his blood, for whatever reason, has well, narcotic properties. Yeah. So, anyway, it's gross. She seems horrified by it. Did you have flashes of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? At this point, because I did, where they no, because forced... I've watched that movie so few times. Yeah, because they basically force the. I think, I think it might even be called the blood of uh, whatever the the god they were worshiping in that uh, was, yeah, and they force him to drink twice. that. Blech. Yeah, I mean yes. the effects are different. Yeah, but yeah. So I was having Indiana Jones flashes. Yeah, that's fair. Raiders of the Lost Ark I've seen a bunch of times, and obviously I've seen the uh, Last Crusade about a billion times. Yeah. but So many times. That one only a couple times because it's not great. No. So apparently this stuff starts to work pretty quickly, and they go into another flashback. Sam is dressed presumably for a funeral, but this time we're seeing adult Sam instead of child Sam like we were seeing before. Jacob comes in to talk to her. And they have a conversation. It turns out that her mom died because Jacob was supposed to pick her up and didn't. And so she called the cab home and was in a car accident on the way home in that cab. So Sam blames Jacob. And Jacob says that he blames himself and isn't even asking for her forgiveness, but just wants to make sure that they're going to be okay someday. And then Carter gets a confused look and says, wait, I forgave you a long time ago for this. Why is this happening to me in my head now? This isn't how things actually went down either so Jacob suddenly says that he's dying and now Carter's really confused because this is for sure not how things went back in her past and he says again that he's dying right now and that only she can save him she just needs to tell him how to get home how to get to earth so Trixie Apophis here apparently (laughs) apparently (laughs) you can implant things into people's brains with this thing too not just watch their memories but influence their memories yeah jacob says that if uh if she doesn't tell him the proper iris codes then they're gonna lose him forever i thought don't they already know the iris codes for earth 
I would think so. Don't they have their own device? I thought that, like, everybody knew the iris codes for Earth, basically, yeah. because they've so car dialed into Earth before. And hasn't Apophis also dialed into Earth before? Well, I think it's not the gate address so much as the, the code to open the iris. So oh, they don't go right, splat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Splitty you're right. Splat. Iris codes, he should say. Okay. That's me being dumb. That's okay. bad. <laughs> I can't make a splatting noise. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Carter's like, well, this isn't real. Jacob says, tell me. And then we get a hard cut. And then Jacob becomes Apophis and says, tell me again. Oh boy. Such a random place to put a hard cut. Like the scene ended one line later. Why not cut yeah, it at the end of that? It was that? weird. <laughs> it was weird. Back in, I guess, present day, Apophis is still demanding she tell him and she's still refusing. So this blood of Sokar's stuff doesn't seem that strong. Mm-mm. And he demands to know how to penetrate the Stargate or he's going to kill dad. Yep. But Sam still refuses. On the surface of Vorash, Tilk has landed the Teltac, and I was wondering why he put it so far away from the gate. <laughs> oh, no. Because he's dealing with some Tok'ra, and like he parked it inconveniently far from the gate so that the Tok'ra is going to have to take a bit of a hike to get from the gate to the Teltac. <laughs> anyway, on the Teltac, this Tok'ra has come aboard. Uh, several Teltac have come aboard, and they're talking to Tilk. One is clearly not wearing pants. One's legs are in shadow. And then the third one is standing close, too close to the camera to see his legs. I couldn't so that... see their legs enough to tell. I'm glad that you can still yep. make it out. <laughs> yeah, only one of them. But he wasn't wearing pants. That is my pants watch. We hear Apophis's voice talking to Tilk, saying that this is your god. The same lines that he said earlier was apparently recorded by Tilk. And he plays that recording back for the Tok'ra. The Tok'ra Alduin is impressed that Tilk was able to get here as quickly as he did. And Tilk's like, well, yeah, it's urgent and important. We need to do something about this. So Alduin says, yeah, this information is very important. And we should need to go figure out what to do about this. So they're going to go back and talk to the High Council. And we'll be back soon. Woo. Tilk looks a bit skeptical as he watches them go. He sure does. <laughs> yeah. Back on day two, Apophis has called Jack up to his chambers, and they throw him down on his knees, which hurts because, you know, leg wound. Right. Also, it just hurts to, like, land on your knees, but yeah. (laughs) Apophis lies and says that Major Carter was most forthcoming, (laughs) but Jack does not believe that, and he's not going to tell him anything either. But Apophis is like, you're not here for information you're here for my amusement (laughs) which okay so he puts the memory button on jack and do you think he sanitized it i'm guessing he didn't probably not nothing there looks very sanitary anyway so now they've now he and carter have shared some blood and brain material yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah they've shared some some of that stuff (laughs) (laughs) and he Dials it all up with the screwdriver. And Jack is having a flashback. He's holding a baseball glove. Looking for his son, Charlie. And while I guess he's in this memory, Apophis takes the opportunity to force the liquid, the blood of Sokar, into Jack. There's the juice. And I sort of equated this in my mind with 
Jack sort of behaving the way Pepper did when I pilled her and Sam was more of a 13. <laughs> Meaning that Jack was way more resistant than yeah. uh, Sam was in this. Yeah. And that's Fair. basically how my cats are when I was yeah. pilling. Potato's them. pretty easy to give pills to. Buddy's my easiest because he'll eat anything. So I yeah. can still wrap it in a pill pocket. And he's like, hell yeah. Yeah. It's Lily gets her medicine in pill pockets. Coconut doesn't have any. But yeah. Potato just gets it shoved in her yeah. face <laughs> so yeah so they're like cats yep. <laughs> just like kitties yeah he, or a puppy yeah he resists it enough they like keep like poking at his wound making it hurt well yep. in order to get him to swallow this yeah that was about yep. it <laughs> yeah back down in the pit sam wakes up and calls for her dad daniel says yeah he's not Doing so good, but he's still alive. Sam says that Apophis was threatening to kill him, and Daniel says, well, no, they just came back and took Jack instead. This is where Carter mentions that they gave her something called the blood of Sokar, and Martooth says that it's a strong narcotic that causes very realistic hallucinations. But she doesn't think that she gave anything up, although she doesn't remember for sure. Jacob calls to her, and so she goes over to him, and he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make it, but Sam gets pissed and is like nope save your strength i am not telling your grandchildren what happened here don't make me have to explain to them that you died so jacob nods sam tries to warn martooth that he needs to be really careful if they come for him and martooth is like "Eh, i've endured torture before and sam's like yeah not not like this though it seems really real and your feelings and everything seems so real just don't let him use jolinar against you and martooth is like yeah he can't do that oh martooth yeah (laughs) yep that's pretty much that scene yeah jack is having a flashback again he is calling for his son charlie and apologizes for being late and he has a gift for them charlie comes out with a toy gun and shoots it at jack and he you actually hear the sound of a real gun yeah when he shoots at him and is telling his dad he's dead. Jack's like, where did you get that? Charlie's like, it's just a water gun. Jack takes the gun away, though. But Charlie argues, you've got a gun. And Jack's like, that's different. But then Charlie goes to leave. And Jack's like, wait, I've got something for you. Let's play some catch. Uh, he's got a baseball glove for him. And Charlie then, though, tells him this isn't what happened. And you're changing things to make it better, the memory. And Jack knows that. Charlie tells him what really happened was you got mad, I went in the house, and two weeks later, I shot myself with your gun. <laughs> Hard truth bomb. Yep. 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 Jack's like, but can't we just play catch? Charlie says, I'll play if you tell me how you made contact with the Asgard. He's being way less discreet here than he was with yes. Sam. Yes. <laughs> Like, super obvious that this isn't real. Yeah, and that's sort of Jack's like, wait, what? What? (laughs) And Charlie's like, well, you know, how'd you... Charlie's like, it's okay, Dad. You can tell me where the Asgard are. Tell me the address. How'd you get the ancient's knowledge downloaded to the brain? This is all too much, right? (laughs) Jack's like, this isn't you. You can't know this stuff. And Jack refuses to tell him. And he's yep. pretty sad because he's not going to get to have the catch with his son. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Back on Vorash, Alduin comes back. He's got a big container that he puts on a table. Hard cut. Again, like, why not do the cut right before this scene? Because you're, like, just in the scene, and then they cut. I want to go, so I've been watching on Netflix, I kind of want to go see if the DVD's doing the same thing, because it's just, it's so weird. It is. It is weird. Because, like I said, you mean, like, even if they're doing commercial breaks, why would the commercial breaks be starting, like, two seconds (laughs) into a scene? It makes no sense. Yeah, no. Or ending, you know, like, putting it right at the end of a scene also makes no sense. No. Like, put them between scenes. Anyway, that's not what they're doing anymore. Tilk is looking worried about what might be in that thing. And Alduin says that he has been instructed to return to Neitu. And he's got a weapon in this container. And they're basically going to destroy Neitu if they aren't able to get everyone off the planet. And it also sounds like they're not really going to try that hard to get everyone off the planet. They're mostly just going to try to destroy Sokar with this weapon and then the whole planet as well. It's going to be launched down into the atmosphere of Neitu into one of the holes on its surface and that's going to bring it all the way down to the core and then that will force the base elements into a cataclysmic chain reaction. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. And that's going to explode the entire moon. Mm -hmm. That tracks. So it's going to take Sokar's ship with it because Sokar's ship will be in orbit around it when this happens. Tilk is not pleased with this plan. Mm-mm. And Alden's like, well, Togra wouldn't do this unless we had no alternative. So this is what we're doing. So Kar can't be allowed to become the dominant power. And so we have no choice. Tilk obviously argues for his friends and the Tokra that are still trapped down there. And Alden's like, yeah, well, don't get in the way or else I'm going to make you stay here on Vorash. Tilk, of course, is not okay with that. He insists on going with Alden. And so they leave. We get a close-up view of the bomb as the scene ends. It's pretty. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it's blue and it's blue and glowy. Glowy and it's got like some yeah. spiky things. It's quite pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Jack's been returned to the prison. He's laying down, sleeping, unconscious. Daniel wakes him up and lets Jack know they took Martooth. Jack's face is half super dirty because he was laying in the dirt. <laughs> yes, he was laying face down in the dirt. Yeah very important yep jack tells them that they put that damn memory thing on him and they gave him something that reminded him of the 70s (laughs) daniel tells him that's the blood of sokar jack lets him know he's gonna pass out again so he does but he's sitting up this time so he's not gonna get a matching dirt on the other side (laughs) of his face even things out yeah we see the Teltac moving through hyperspace again, and then we're back on the bridge. Alduin is flying, right? I think, yeah, I think, I think so. so. Okay. Yeah. Alduin is flying, so he's kind of taken over from Teal'c. Teal'c says that he still wants to try to rescue everybody down on the surface if Sokar hasn't arrived and is not yet in orbit when they get there. And Alduin's like, all right, fine, but if he is already in orbit, then we're going to act right away and launch the weapon anyway without bothering to try to rescue anybody. He says he doesn't like it any more than Tilk does, but it's necessary. Tilk says he understands, and Eldon says that the timing is going to be very critical, because once the weapon is launched, they're going to need to take off immediately, because it'll be about 12 minutes before the reaction happens, and they need to make sure that the Teltac here is way out of range before that explosion occurs, so that they're not also destroyed, along with Sokar's ship and the whole moon. Yeah. Yeah. Back in Apophis's quarters, Martooth is there. 
And it looks like we are seeing this at the tail end of uh, his memory times, I think. He's clearly already had his blood of Sokar. I was wondering if it has a different effect on people that have a hagfish than on people that don't have a hagfish. Yeah. If it's any worse or less bad. But we don't get that answer. Seems to be about the same. Yeah. Which is not effective, so I still don't understand. (laughs) Anyway, Apophis is looking pretty smug and... He has Sam brought in, and Martooth is looking at her, but he's seeing her and Jolinar. And Apophis demands to know the location of the Tokar resistance, or he's going to kill Sam. Sam tells him, don't do it. Apophis demands to know. He Martooth is still flashing back and forth between Sam and Jolinar. Martooth is really crying here. And you know, it's very sad. Since since you don't get to see him smile, we do get the gleaming teeth of sadness. <laughs> we do <laughs> instead. Yes, it's just it's just beautiful. Even when he's ugly crying, he's still beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Martooth says he cannot let Apophis kill her, so he gives up a name Antak as the place of the Tokra resistance. They're on Dantooine. And Apophis orders them back to the pit and wants Daniel Jackson. Everyone gets a turn. Lucky them. Yeah. Back down on Sokar's throne room, Jumar is back and tells Sokar that the fleet is ready for their attack. But on the downside, Bynar hasn't reported in in a while, so that's probably not good. Sokar's going to go and take his ship and cleanse the underworld. So its fires may be reborn, apparently. And then he's going to go attack the system lords. How about dessert? Well, I suppose there's time for dessert. And coffee. All right, a quick cup of coffee. (laughs) That's important he does that before. Absolutely, yeah, (laughs) for sure. So the entire realm of the gold are going to serve him or suffer the fate of the damned. Yep. Then we get a view in the tunnels of Daniel being moved along by guards. And that's that scene. <laughs> Back in the pit, Jack is unconscious still, or again, but moving a little bit. Martooth is there, and is he's talking to Carter, saying that he knew it was actually her and not really Jolinar. And Carter is devastated that he gave up the Tok'ra. And then he's like, well, I couldn't watch them kill you, but... Also, Entak isn't actually where the Tok'ra are. <laughs> Apparently, it is a primitive planet with no Tok'ra on it. And I was wondering what he meant by primitive. Did he mean primitive like primordial? Or were there, quote unquote, primitive people that are now going to be enslaved and killed because of what he said? And it sucks to be them if that is the case. I I feel like that's probably what he meant. Again, based on what Sokar says later. Yeah. 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 So that's disturbing. Yep. Yep. So Sam says, well, I was convinced that you were telling the truth. So uh, nice job. Martooth is wondering what they would possibly want from Daniel Jackson if they already know or think they know the location of the Tok'ra. And then we find out. Yep. Daniel is in the midst of a flashback. He's unpacking stuff from a basket when Jack comes in to talk to him. Apparently this basket is full of Shari's personal effects that Kasuf sent. He holds up a cup and is like, this was our wedding cup. The wedding uh, that K- 
canonically in the movie you didn't know you were actually having. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Then Jack goes on to talk to him about how Shuri does not want him to give up. Never surrender. Never surrender. And they need to find the boy. Daniel is like, I didn't think you believed me about Shari sending me messages through the hand device, (laughs) which I can't imagine that doesn't sound ludicrous at all. Right. Um, (laughs) Jack's like, "Ah, I've been wrong before. I do believe you. I believe in you. (laughs) What'd you say the boy was called? Daniel says a harcesis. And Jack's very, very interested in this and they need to find him. (laughs) Yeah. So where where yep. where is he? How about that? Yeah. The the police where Aminette sent the boy. Daniel's like, I'm not telling you that, because he has come to the realization this is not real. They yep. go back and forth, and Daniel just refuses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This blood of Sokar stuff, really not yep. as great as they're uh, making it out to be. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess maybe that's all they had to work with when they're on this prison planet. But mm-hmm. true. Yeah. We're back in present day in Apophis's chamber. Daniel says it's not real. And then Sokar's voice comes through via a communication device and says to hear me, Bynar, and wants to know why Bynar is defying his lord, Sokar. Apophis just hits Daniel in the face and knocks him <laughs> over for no apparent reason. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to do that to Daniel? I, I know it was fair, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> So Apophis answers that Bynar is dead by his hand. He is Apophis, and the denizens of Netu now follow him, so so screw you. Sokar threatens to bring all of his full force down upon him, and uh, he's going to kill everybody, and Apophis is like, well, you're going to listen to me for a bit first. But then the scene ends. Yeah. We get a quick view of the Teltac flying, or at least the inside of it, and they have arrived at Netu, and... They're going to hide in the shadow of the moon. End of scene. Meanwhile, Apophis is still talking to Sokar. He says that he has tortured the intruders. Three of them are from the Tauri and there's a Tok'ra. He's learned a lot, including the location of the Tok'ra resistance. Bynar was weak and incompetent and you deserve so much more being such a great gold. I want to serve you and I'm going to give you all this information. So let's get together and have a chat, shall we? Yeah, that'll be fun. Sokar's like, sure, why not? Then Apophis orders Daniel taken away. But before he's taken away, Daniel spots his communicator that they had taken from him. So he punches a Jaffa in the stomach, which I'm pretty sure he knew wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, guy doesn't even flinch. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's like... (laughs) The, the Jaffa hits him, and that gets Daniel what he wants. And Daniel's able to fall and grab the communicator and sneak it on out of there. Well played. Yeah. Well done, Daniel. Yeah. You know what's really funny after this? Op- Apophis starts talking about how Sokar is going to die at his hand. And I was like, how does he know the communication device is no longer active and Sokar isn't listening on this? In on this, <laughs> That's a great question. I, like, that hadn't I even know. occurred to me. <laughs> Maybe there's a way to like tell and he knows that. But like, I'm like, what, what's to stop him from just listening in? Yeah, I know what's going on. Maybe the, the light was off. <laughs> the, light, the recording Maybe. light was off or the yeah. open mic light was off. <laughs> so anyway, I guess they're off the air. 
So Apophis is taking off his sparkle bling. And Kintak wants to know how he's going to do this. Since he's not going to let Apophis in with weapons. But Apophis shows that he's got a secret knife in his sleeve. Someone's been playing some Assassin's Creed and took a little bit of inspiration from it. <laughs> He's apparently had this plan in the works for a long time. Where did he get this knife? Did he forge it down on the planet? I don't know. No anyway, idea. he's planning to convince Sokar to make him the Lord of Natu, and he's going to come down off of his throne to brand Apophis, and when he gets close, knife time. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So he rings out to go see Sokar. <laughs> out on the Tiltac, Tilk sees the light of somebody beaming from one place to another and tells Alduin. Alduin's in the back now preparing the weapon and says that it's ready to launch. Sokar's ship is almost in position. Then we're back down in the pit. Daniel is being returned. Martooth gets up to help him in and... Daniel tells everyone that Sokar's ship is in orbit and that Apophis has gone off to meet him. And surprise, he's got the communicator device. Everyone is delighted. Sam asks if Sokar's ship would be able to pick up any transmission from the device. But Martooth says, nope, the signal would be encoded. So they call out to Teal'c. Carter's super relieved to hear Teal'c. But as this is happening, Aldwin is continuing to prep the bomb. It's now activated. Tilk is yelling at him to stop, but Elwyn aims his at him and launches it onto the planet, and we see it splash into a pool of lava. That's unfortunate. It is. But he was a man on a mission. Yep. Literally. Does his, does his duty. On the planet, the team feels the impact of <laughs> the weapon. That doesn't make any sense, though. It wasn't very big. Why would they feel no. it landing if it wasn't actually exploding yet? I don't know. They don't know what it is. A random voice is like, Sokar's attacking! <laughs> I like the random background voices. Yeah. And Sam tries to, you know, reach Teal'c again and find out what's going on. And he gives them the bad news that they have 12 minutes until Natu is destroyed. While he's doing this, he's staring daggers at Alduin <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> So he explains that he's there with Alduin and that he's launched a weapon into the moon's core, which is going to explode and destroy Sokar's ship, which is in orbit, which is not great. No. No. Martooth tells the gang in the prison that the High Council must think it's their only choice. And Jack's like, we're not dead yet. I feel happy. <laughs> I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> a hole in the ground erupts in fire and steam. Yeah, that's normal. And Sam's like, I've got an idea. And then runs towards it because it definitely seems like a good idea to go stand near the seeming hole. Absolutely. Yep. That shoots fire. Yeah. Could blow again at any minute. But, yep. you know. But her idea is apparently to pack it with stuff with as many rocks as they can and wedge them in real tight. So they start doing that. They do. Up on Sokar's ship, Apophis is kneeling before Sokar and is basically brown-nosing Sokar, giving him the information that was given to him by SG-1. 
and Apophis tells Sokar that the Tok'ra are on Intac. Sokar looks over at his first prime, and his first prime goes over to Apophis and holds him down there strongly where he's kneeling, and Apophis is like, what the hell is going on here? And Sokar tells him that he recently conquered Intac, so yeah, it does sound like there were quote-unquote primitive people, not the shitty Martooth. But there were no Tok'ra there, so I guess it's fine. Joke's on Apophis. And Sokar wants the first prime to kill Apophis slowly, and the first prime is delighted by that. I like that Apophis still has eyeliner on his good eye. I noticed, yeah. He's got, like, a makeup bag (laughs) stashed away somewhere. Right. Maybe it's tattoo. It could be a tattooed makeup. It could be a tattoo, yeah. yeah. I kind of like it better that it's a makeup bag stashed somewhere. So. <laughs> maybe maybe it's in his other sleeve. He's got, it like, pops out like the knife. <laughs> yeah, one side you have the knife popping out. The other side, his eyeliner pops out. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't get them confused and absolutely <laughs> use the knife instead of his eyeliner. <laughs> or vice versa, stab someone with his eyeliner. Murder, murder, murder. Maybe it's <laughs> yes, that would not do much good. <laughs> not so much. No. On the Teltac, Alduin is letting them know they've got nine minutes or less, and they gotta get out of there because otherwise they're gonna die too. Tilk says he's going to take that risk. Alduin says that even if they somehow are able to juju out of Natu. Sokar's right there and they can't get there to intercept. And Tilk's like, over this can't do attitude. So he takes Alduin's Zat gun and forces him into the cargo hold. <laughs> so he could have done this at any point. He could have. I mean, he didn't need to, but like, it's just really funny that he's just like, yeah, yeah I can do this. Yeah, I've had enough of you. <laughs> You're yeah. going into now. <laughs> Alduin pleads with him that this is suicide, but Tilk is uh, not having that, and he is going to do something. We don't know yet what, but he's going to do something. Yep. Back down on the planet, Sam's plan seems to be working. Everything is shaking. They run away from that vent that they were working on, and uh, then it explodes, and we see the, the lid of their cage explode off the top on Sokar's ship. Apophis is being tortured with a pain stick and has light emanating from his mouth as he screams, and Sokar's laughing. Back down in the pit, Daniel calls to Tilk on the communicator that they're on their way as they're all running and helping Jacob along. On the bridge of the Teltac, Tilk says that timing is going to be critical because they have to tell him exactly when they're going to be ready so that he can be there. And Aldwin reminds him that he's going to need to pause long enough for everybody otherwise if he only kind of like does a flyby then he's only gonna get part of them (laughs) and that would be gross and inconvenient yes (laughs) it turned inside out and it exploded (laughs) and then Aldwin adds and that's only if Sokar doesn't blow us out of the sky this isn't the sky you're in space (laughs) yep Tilk is on his way Ready yes. ready to fly in at a moment's notice. Yes. The folks on the planet have made their way to Apophis's quarters. Martooth has them all gathered together to be ringed out. Daniel reports to Teal'c that they are almost there. 
on Sokar's ship, Apophis is still being tortured when one of the Jaffa runs in and says that the hellfires of Natu are erupting. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sokar is shocked. 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 Well, not that shocked. <laughs> so yeah, the core of the moon has become unstable. And Sogar says, that is impossible. I control Natu. It's just... <laughs> Yeah, that's get o- just get weird. Get over the denial, man. You control the whole core of the moon, yeah. too, not just the people on it. So weird. Yep. So Jamar advises, we got to move the ship. And at this point, a pop has his knife party. He pops it out and kills one of the guys. And He does is- not mistakenly pop out the eyeliner. Nope. <laughs> In slow-mo, the other one... Starts to lift his weapon towards Apophis, but Apophis is able to get there with his knife first and slices his throat. He then grabs the weapon and aims it at Sokar, but Sokar is able to pull up his personal shield faster than Apophis can fire upon him. So I guess killing Sokar is now out and Apophis uh, cuts his losses and gets the hell out of there. Sokar is angry. So angry. <laughs> in Apophis's chambers, Martooth is trying to get the ring controls working again. He's working to hotwire them again. He tells everybody now, Daniel calls to Teal'c that they're ready. The rings activate. And then we flash out to space and see a white beam moving from the surface of Natu towards Sokar's ship. But we do see the Teltac getting in the way, and that white beam goes onto the Teltac instead of the mothership. Good job, Tilk. Yeah! Yeah. In the cargo area, the rings beam in, ju-ju-ju-ju-ju, and Alduin calls to Tilk that they're there and that they need to go, go, go. Must go faster. So exciting! It is exciting! So they do move away, which, you know, the mothership is trying to kill them on their way out. Well, I guess sure the is. people within, not the mothership yeah. itself, because, I mean, unless the ship has sentience, which who knows? Probably not. <laughs> Maybe it is. Anyway. <laughs> it is a recent development. We also see that someone has ringed the fuck out of there back to the planet, not the yep. exploding moon, but the actual planet. I couldn't tell. It looked almost to me like there were two streams. Maybe it was just the one. Like oh, really? I didn't notice. I noticed that there was a stream, but yeah, maybe I guess two, it wasn't two different ones. It just looked like two pulses, and I couldn't tell if that meant mm. if that was just one long stream or not. But anyway, I don't know. So I was like, did Sogar survive? I don't know, but I'm guessing yeah. not. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't remember. Yeah. Then the moon explodes, and the ship is destroyed. That really sucks for all of the innocent people that were on that moon. Yeah, yeah. And the Teltac, though has managed to get far enough away that everybody's okay. They are. They are. Tilk comes into the cargo area and tells everyone that they have escaped. He is smiling and very happy. And Jack asks for some iced tea and air conditioning and water. But all Tilk actually has is water. And that's good enough. Jack is happy with that. Mm-hmm. Aldwin apologizes for doubting Tilk. And Jilk admits that I am actually as surprised as you are that we survived. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) More water is handed around and suddenly Jacob is way better. Although I guess it might kind of make sense that now that he's not in ridiculously hot temperatures, he'd be starting to rally a bit. But he's seeming surprisingly better. Yeah. Very quickly. And 
he's talking to Sam and asking if they can maybe go on a father-daughter vacation together soon. And Sam would love that. (laughs) Jacob recommends Alaska because it's cold this time of year. (laughs) And so they laugh. Keltak continues moving through space, but then we get a view of Natu kind of exploding in space over the planet's surface. Somebody is standing there watching it, and that somebody turns around, and we see Apophis's face. So we know for sure he is not dead. Woo! And that's it. They don't know that. They don't know that. So we know that. I'm gonna they give them. That. I'm gonna give it to them this time if they keep assuming Apophis is dead. Yes, because in this case, it would be a more likely. It would make more sense for them to make that assumption in this yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Did you like the episode? I did like the episode. Excellent. Despite the completely ineffectual memory juice that Apophis <laughs> hands out, I thought it was good to have Apophis back as a villain, torturing our our friends uh, huh. in SG in SG one, and I really liked the escape at the end, and it was really fun. And Apophis remains alive, so we get to see what he's up to next, which yeah. is kind of exciting because I liked him as the villain. Yeah, how about you? Yeah. I did like it. I was actually very relieved that I liked it because last week I was thinking, oh, great, it's either going to be a clip show or it's going to be like a shitty episode like the Barkeeper episode where they keep like reliving those tragedies over and over again. And that's what I was thinking this was going to be. But I actually found it to be really enjoyable. Those flashbacks weren't really real flashbacks uh, that they were having of, of their past tragedies. So that made it, I think, more interesting. It was an exciting episode. It reminded me a little bit of Star Wars with... Martooth giving the fake name of the planet ah, like Leia does yes. and then also the the last scene with the Death Star exploding or not well the last scene with Sokar's ship exploding in the sky was reminiscent to me of scenes from planet surfaces of the Death Star exploding so nice I thought that that was interesting I don't know if that was intentional but I still enjoyed it because I love Star Wars and it reminded me of Star Wars I thought it was very good I was pleasantly surprised because I did not expect to like this episode <laughs> I'm glad that you liked it too Yes, I did. So what's next? Next, we will be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 14, Foothold. The Netflix says SG-1 learns that a part of Stargate Command has been sealed off because of a chemical leak. Dr. Frazier injects each member of the team with a sedative. (laughs) Sounds thrilling. So exciting. (laughs) I bet I'll have no issues with the science no, in that one. No, I'm already feeling a headache coming on <laughs> because of in anticipation of the bad science. <laughs> Let's see what the booklet's got for us. Let's see. The booklet says, During routine medical exams, Dr. Frazier injects each team member with a sedative, rendering them unconscious. Teal'c awakens and sees General Hammond conspiring with Frazier and two aliens. What has happened at Stargate Command, and can SG-1 overpower its own, in quotation marks, allies? Weird. Those are quite different descriptions. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Interesting. Well, I'll be looking forward to seeing what the hell that's all about. (laughs) As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you hit subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they are released. Every Wednesday now, you can also find us on YouTube. Reviews and likes are very much appreciated, as is word of mouth, to help other people find the podcast so that we can continue to grow what we are doing here. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. If you are feeling generous and want to help support the show and also want early access to episodes and bonus content, you can head on over to patreon.com slash stargatesing. We have a few different subscription tiers over there. And you can also check out our website at stargatesing.space and message us through there if you would like to. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end. Coffee happened. I've come to oh my fill g- you up with hot <laughs> coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Where's mine? Kathy wants hers. Okay. Yay. I'll be there in a little bit. <laughs> Great. Thank you.